Welcome to the Hill City Church Podcast. We are a church family located in Springfield, Missouri. You can learn more about us and support our ministries at hillcitysgf.org. Mark chapter 6, beginning in verse 7. And he called the twelve, and he began to send them out two by two, and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not to put on two tunics. And he said to them, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And if any place will not receive you and they will not listen to you when you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that people should repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. King Herod heard of it, for Jesus' name had become known. Some said John the Baptist has been raised from the dead. That is why these miraculous powers are at work in him. But others said he is Elijah, and others said he is a prophet, like one of the prophets of old. But when Herod heard of it, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised. For it was Herod who had sent and seized John and bound him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother, Philip's wife, because he had married her. For John had been saying to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. And Herodias had a grudge against him and wanted to put him to death, but he could not. For Herod feared John, knowing that he was a righteous and holy man. And he kept him safe. When he heard him, he was greatly perplexed, and yet he heard him gladly. But an opportunity came when Herod on his birthday gave a banquet for his nobles and military commanders and the leading men of Galilee. For when Herodias' daughter came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his guests. And the king said to the girl, ask me for whatever you wish and I will give it to you. And he vowed to her, whatever you ask me, I will give you up to half of my kingdom. And she went out and said to her mother, for what should I ask? And she said, the head of John the Baptist. And she came in immediately with haste to the king and asked, saying, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And the king was exceedingly sorry, but because of his oaths and his guests, he did not want to break his word to her. And immediately the king sent an executioner with orders to bring John's head. He went and beheaded him in the prison and brought his head on a platter and gave it to the girl. And the girl gave it to her mother. When his disciples heard of it, they came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. This is the word of the Lord. You grab a seat. My name's Brad, lead teaching pastor here at Hill City Church. So, many of you are participating. It's the final four. Anybody watching the final four? You got brackets. All of your your brackets are busted. Not one of you picked Florida Atlantic. Okay. Here's the deal. I love watching the Final Four, but here's what I do. I just like watching sports. But what I will do when I'm, when I'm watching sports, what I love as much as sports are sandwiches. <laughs> I love sandwiches. Um, and then like chips with sandwiches. And then I take the chips, I put them on the sandwich. You crunch it down a little bit. Anybody with me? Yeah. Listen, don't be ashamed of this. I, if, you, if you're not admitting it, I still know that you do it. Then I'll follow up a sandwich with another sandwich. Like I'll eat a sandwich and then I'll follow it up with the ice cream sandwich. All right? So we got a good meat sandwich and then we have an ice cream sandwich because sandwiches are good. 
Why am I talking? What are we doing? I thought I came to church. What are we talking about sandwiches for? Today, there's a sandwich I want to bring to your attention. It's called a Markin sandwich. If you're visiting, we are in the Gospel of Mark, and we have been this whole semester. And there's a writing style. There's something that Mark does throughout his Gospel where he'll have just a, a story, where we'll have an, an event here, and then he'll have an event here. And for whatever reason, he puts something in the middle of that event that may not seem like it connects, but it connects. And, and theologians call this a Markin sandwich. Let me just give you a quick example of one. We didn't quite unpack all of it when we were in Mark chapter 3, uh, but you remember Jesus' uh, Jesus's family thought he was crazy. Remember that part? They're like, we got to go get Jesus. He, he's crazy. What's he doing this for? Well, previous to that, the Pharisees were like, you're the devil. This guy's like casting out demons in the name of the devil. And Jesus is like, how's the devil cast out the devil? Like, you guys don't make any sense. And right in the middle of that, we see this uh, this uh, unique passage about the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, okay? So that's a mark and sandwich. What is it? It was like, listen, you might think Jesus is the devil. You might just think he's a little crazy. Either way, if you don't think Jesus is who he said he was, that's blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. You see how Mark d- did that? Okay, that's a mark and sandwich. Well, today we look at a mark and sandwich, but we're only taking the top piece of bread. We're taking the middle. And then next week we will hit that bottom piece of bread. Here's the thing about this sandwich this week. It's no ice cream sandwich. This one's not very sweet. This one's not so palatable. The sandwich might be that the bread is discipleship or the mission. And you have Jesus sending them out. Next week we will look at the disciples feeding the 5,000, doing what they should be doing and participating in the mission. And then in the middle... You've got what it's going to cost you. So God, as we go into your word, open our eyes that we would see amazing things from this passage. Soften hearts, invade hearts. We love you. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Verse 7, and he called the 12 and began to send them out two by two, and he gave them authority over unclean spirits. This is a big, big time verse right here. Right now, uh, up until this point, the disciples have been observing. They've been watching Jesus do all of it. This is awesome. They're following him. This guy's famous. Man, this is great. And now Jesus says, your turn. So they go from being observers to participants in the mission right here in verse 7. God kindly allows his kids to participate in the mission. We need to know something here this morning. God doesn't need us. He's God. He has no needs. He can accomplish everything on his own, but somehow he invites us in. That's incredible. But listen, I want us all... Can you just take a deep breath with me of relaxation this morning? Hey, this is God's mission. You know what that means? Success is up to God. Can you take a breath now? This is God's mission. That means he determines success. Our job in the mission is just to be faithful. God's job is the fruit. Let me say that one more time. Our job is just to be faithful. God's job is the fruit. 
Let me just give you a little bit more relief here this morning when we start talking about the mission. Because the success of the mission is for God to decide. Our success isn't dependent, dependent upon how incredible we are, how awesome our strategy is, how articulate we are. How mu- I mean, listen, <sighs> isn't that nice? Man, God's so good. He's going to call us into the mission, then he gets to do all the work. This is phenomenal. We just got to be faithful. He charged them, take nothing for their journey except staff, no bread, no bag, no money, their belts, but to wear sandals and not put on two eunuchs. Now we see this passage just really quickly. This is not prescriptive. This is what we would call descriptive. Meaning like, you can't take this verse and be like, this is exactly how we're supposed to be sent out right here. We're not supposed to take any money. We're not supposed to have clothes. Like we're not supposed to, this is, the, this, is the, this is how you do discipleship. No, this is what Jesus told them in this moment. The point is that we need to read this verse and know that this mission is to be done Jesus' way in Jesus' power. Are you with me? Because if you can read later on, uh, Luke writes about this in chapter 22. He said to them, When I sent you out with no money bag or knapsack or sandals, did you lack anything? So Luke is talking about this, and and Jesus now is talking. He's talking about the disciples, about what happened here in Mark chapter 6. Like, hey, I sent you out, and I told you not to take anything. How'd that go? Did you lack anything? And the disciples said, nothing. Okay, Jesus then said to them, but now let the one who has a money bag take it, likewise a knapsack, and let the one who has no sword sell his cloak and buy one. You see see how that's very different? The whole point is that we are on mission and we do mission Jesus' way in Jesus' power. And that's what the disciples do here. And he said to them, whenever you enter house, stay until you depart. And if any place will not receive you and they will not listen to you, when you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. Listen, the mission that these guys are sent on, the mission that we are sent on is a very important mission, but you need to know, Jesus tells his disciples, and we need to hear this this morning, some people don't give a rip about what you're going to say. You can't let that surprise you. You just participate in the mission. People aren't going to care. Yet the disciples were to still go out and to proclaim just like Jesus did. Now listen, here's what would have happened for the disciples. When, when Jesus told them, hey, here's what's going to happen. Some people aren't going to like this. So just, you got to move on. What that would have done is that would have, that would have relieved some of the fear of man that would have been in them. Are you with me? And it should do the same for us. I shared the gospel and they, like, they told me to, they told me to like, get out of my face. Okay. And you're surprised, like, that's going to happen. You still can't fear man. So they went out, proclaimed to people should repent, and they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick, and they healed them. Many. Listen, they went out, and this was a successful mission. This was the first time Jesus did this. The disciples did not have it all together. They were still not quite exactly honed in on who Jesus was. Jesus didn't wait till they had all the answers, had it all figured out, were so well trained they couldn't fail, and then I'll send them out. That's not what Jesus did, and that's not what he does with you and I. This was a successful mission. Why was it successful? It wasn't because of how skilled the disciples were. Trust me, 
but they were faithful. They went out, they did it, and the fruit was God's job. So you need to know something this morning. If you're following Jesus, this mission, success belongs to God. But this mission is not optional. This isn't like, hey, God's not coming. Hey, would you like to participate in this? Would would you, you want to do this? No? Okay, okay. Listen to me. This is not optional. We, we don't get passed from death to life. We don't, called, we don't be called from, from, from darkness into marvelous light, and then we just kind of sit, sit around crickets with our thumbs twiddled just waiting for Jesus to take us out of here. Listen, he left us here for a reason. This mission is not optional. It was successful. And someone got wind of it. A king, King Herod, verse 14 through 16 tells us. Now this Herod, this would, this would have been the son of the Herod that wanted to kill Jesus when he was a baby. Had all the babies killed. You guys go back and you, and you, can, you can read that. But this would have been his son. Matthew chapter 2 is where you can read about that. Herod heard everything that had happened from verse 13, meaning all the healing. All the casting out demons, all the things that Jesus and the disciples were doing, Herod heard about this. And he was convinced that it was John the baptizer who had been raised from the dead and who was doing all of this. John the Baptist, he's been raised from the dead. That's why all these miraculous powers are at work. See, here's what was going on then. It's still going on now. The world has always been trying for an explanation at who Jesus is and what Jesus is doing. Other than just stepping back and going, he's God. And I will give my life to him. I will serve him forever because he is God. No, we we want to explain it away just like Herod. John the Baptist must have come back from the dead. Well, what happened? Why would Herod have been thinking that? Well, 17, starting in verse 17, we get the story. For it was Herod who had sent and seized John and bound him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because he had married her. See, now we're going like, I don't know if, if you're my age, this is going to make sense. Like, we're going Jerry Springer right here. Okay? Uh, a lot of buddies in college, we would skip class and go watch Jerry Springer. It was hot back then. But I'm like, I'm like, this, this is messed up. His brother Philip's wife, because he married her, for John had been saying to Herod, it's not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. And Herodias had a grudge against him and wanted to put him to death, but she could not. For Herod feared John, knowing that he was a righteous and holy man, and he kept him safe. When he heard him, he was greatly perplexed, and yet he heard him gladly. Let's look at this little passage right here, and and let's just take a look for a minute at the faithfulness of John, the baptizer. He was faithful in his mission. John, John the baptizer, he was not worried about the approval of men. Whether you were a king or a peasant, he was not worried about that. He was 
courageously faithful. Now that's going to become a redundant statement, especially in, in our day and time. You are not going to be able to be faithful any other way except for courageously. John was that. I don't think, listen, I, I got to be honest with you, I don't think John was like mean and disrespectful to Herod. Herod was a king. If John would have went in like a jerk, I think Herod would have just killed him. But that's, that, that, that's, the Bible says that Herod, like, he, he wanted to hear what John the Baptist had to say. And here he is. Herod saw him, said, Herod knew this guy's different. And listen, the world will know that you are different. They will know. They will take note. They, they may not like it, but something in them will go, she's different. He's different. Herod knew he was different, but, but, but Herod yet wouldn't believe. He wouldn't repent, but he did keep John safe. But listen, you don't get to live in two worlds. Eventually, those worlds will collide. And that's, listen, Herod's... Herod thought, no, I'll just keep him safe, everything will be fine. And then I'll keep doing what I'm doing over here with my brother's wife. Like, listen, okay, no, 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 eventually it will always come to a head. So what's really happening here? You need to know this. Started in Genesis chapter 3. It was going on right here in Mark chapter 6. It's going on in Springfield, 2023. Evil, Satan, is always 24-7 working to stop the plans of God. That's what we are witnessing here. The mission that God has called us to, there is opposition to this. And listen, what we are about to witness, what we are about to read is kingdom behavior. Lowercase k. Kingdom behavior. Take that, put that in your back pocket. Kingdom behavior. So just imagine with me, just for a minute, a party. And imagine like a Hollywood party. But, but not just Hollywood, like all the political elites, right? So I've basically named most of the biggest slime balls in, our, in the world. All at one party. I'm sorry, it's true. Now, they're all at a party. That's the scene right here. The nobles, commanders, leading men. We pick up in verse 21. But an opportunity came when Herod, on his birthday, gave a banquet for his nobles and military commanders and leading men of Galilee. For when Herodias' daughter came and danced, she pleased Herod and his guests. And the king said to the girl, ask for me whatever you wish and I will give it to you. And he vowed to her, whatever you ask, I will give you up to half of my kingdom. And she went out and said to her mother, for what should I ask? And, he, and she said, the head of John the Baptist. She came immediately to, at haste to the king and asked, saying, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. So we're at this party. And everyone's intoxicated by sex. 
Everyone's intoxicated by pride. Everyone there intoxicated on power. Sex as entertainment. Listen, did you not catch this? This is like his stepdaughter niece stripping for everybody. Oh, it's messed up. Sex is entertainment. Pride. He and his guests love the show. Ah, look, look what I give you. Power. Watch this. Watch this. Whatever you want, I'll give you up to half my kingdom. You guys see that power right there? Are you you with me in the scene? It's gross. Oh, let's not forget, drunk, literally drunk, by the way. Give me his head on a platter. Can you just imagine the look on Herod's face? Didn't see that coming, did he? This is kingdom behavior. And the king was exceedingly sorry, verse 26. But because of his oaths and his guests, he did not want to break his word to her. And immediately the king sent an executioner with orders to bring John's head. He went and beheaded him in prison and brought his head on a platter and gave it to the girl. And the girl gave it to her mother. When his disciples heard of it, they came and took his body and they laid it in a tomb. Intoxication with sex, intoxication with power, intoxication with pride. That never ever ends well. That will actually cause you to go to unthinkable places. So so if this is something going on in your world right now, just a loving warning. You You can't conclude, well, it's not hurting anybody else, it's just me in the dark in my room. You can't come to that conclusion. You will end up in places darker than you could ever, ever imagine. And right here we have John the baptizer murdered. John. Let's go with me. You remember the baby? Remember the baby in his mother's belly? And Mary comes up to speak to John's mother and John leaps in her womb. And then his mother was filled with the Holy Spirit. That John the Baptist is dead. John the Baptist is the one who announced the coming of Jesus. Prepare the way of the Lord. John the Baptist who says, behold the Lamb who takes away the sins of the world. That John the Baptist. Dead. Um. He had been nothing but faithful. Don't miss that. He had been nothing but faithful. Brad, that's not how it's supposed to work. Like, like I came from a different church that was like, no, no, when you have faith and when you're faithful, like it's health and it's wealth and it's prosperity. Really? Because I didn't just read that from the Bible. John was faithful. Again, why, why did Mark, what, Mark, what are you doing with this sandwich? Like, why is this here? 
2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is breathed out by God, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Then why this passage? How is this passage profitable? It's going heavy application. Get in your back pocket. We must understand that there are two kingdoms. And those kingdoms do not mix. There is a clash of two kingdoms. There's a word for that. Here it is. War. There's the kingdom of darkness. And then there is the kingdom of light. Hear me. It's an honor. It's unthinkable. It's unbelievable that we We're called out of darkness into the glorious light. It is the privilege of all privileges that God would include us to be on his mission. It is awesome. But make no mistake about it. It is not charming. It is not cute. It's it's confrontational. It's hostile. I didn't say you are to be that. I'm telling you, the mission is. This mission that we are called to, it actually takes place in a world that is opposed to Jesus, our King. This mission that we are to be a part of, it actually offers redemption to a world that doesn't want redeemed. This kingdom of darkness, it's ruled by sin. It's ruled by sickness. It's actually literally ruled by Satan. And the good news of Jesus, it actually comes into this kingdom of darkness and it invades it. And you've heard this phrase a lot, but i got to say it like this gospel, this good news of Jesus, it's very offensive. It's not a sweet little message that might come in handy sometimes. See, see here's what you have in the kingdom of darkness. You have the anti-good news. Because that's what it is. And then in the kingdom of light, you have like the good news of the kingdom of light. The anti-good news of the kingdom of darkness. I am the center of the universe. I am perfect just the way that I am. I do what I want. It's my body. It's my choice. My problems, my problems are because of all the toxicity surrounding me. I need to take a deep look within to go find the answers. The answers lie deep within, Disney tells us. I am the answer to my biggest problems. Listen, that is the most depressing news I could ever give anybody right there. That is so depressing. That's kingdom language. That's anti-good news. The good news of the kingdom of light is that I am not the center of the universe, that God is. Like, I I don't have the right to live how I want to live. I actually belong to God. My body is not my own. It is God's. My biggest problem, my biggest problem is this evil toxicity that is in my own heart. That is my biggest problem. What's inside of me is deceitful. It's wicked, and it leads to death. And the help that I need, the hope that I have is actually outside of me. 
that's really, really good news. It's actually the greatest news you're ever going to hear in your life. See, some of y'all have been looking in here forever, and you're like, I've been looking for years. I'm just digging and looking, and somebody told me the answer is in here, and I've been digging forever. Quit digging. It ain't there. You know, the world hates that message that I just, the world hates what I just told you. The world hates that. Because the world hates it, here's what we do. We get busy trying to build bridges. And that sounds good. It sounds neat. And actually, I think a lot of times it's done with good intention. Okay? But this idea of building bridges to the world, like we just got to build a bridge to the world. No, no, we don't. That is a bridge to nowhere. No, we don't. What, what do you mean build? Here, here's what building bridges looks like. We try to build a bridge to the culture. That looks like when all of us make this effort to make the gospel palatable. And what we'll do is we'll remove words from our vocabulary like sin and repentance. We take those words. Well, we don't use those because culture doesn't like those and we've got to build a bridge to the culture. Bad idea. We begin to compromise on biblical doctrine. Man, the world hates to hear. The world hates to hear this. Wives, submit to your husbands. Let's throw that page away. Now listen, we can teach that. There's a lot of things that doesn't mean. But we don't get to compromise on doctrine because we're trying to build a bridge to the world. They don't like the way we might say certain things. The world has... Jesus already told us what they would think. Here's how he did it. Listen, Sean, they hated me. They're going to hate you. He told us this. They hated me. They're going to hate you. Jesus told us this. Now, if that's not enough, the world has already told us. They don't want any part of this message. We cannot make the gospel message cute and palatable to the world. We are sent into a battleground. It's kingdom versus kingdom. Listen to me, and I'm not telling you to go out and be a jerk. I don't think John the Baptist was a jerk. I think we go out to the battleground and we go out there and we're kind and we're gentle and we speak the truth in love and we're full of grace and truth just like Jesus was. And they still hated him for it. So I just want to give, I just want to give you a few warnings. I want to give a loving warning to all of us. And I want to give a loving warning to those of you who are not following Jesus. And I want to give a loving warning to those of you who are following Jesus. A warning to us all. Please hear me. Sin is so destructive. Always. You never get away with it. That's for all of us to hear. Pride. Power. It's destructive. Sex outside of God's design. It's destructive. Sin always leads to death. And we need to understand something about ourselves. None of us in here are very far from this. And just in case you're thinking, oh, I know, I'm out there on mission. It could be my head on a platter. Oh, no, no. 
No, no, no. None of us are very far away from asking for someone's head on a platter. You mess with sin, it will take you places you can never imagine. Sin is to be taken seriously. Listen to me, our culture does not take sin seriously. And here's a loving warning to the church. It's crept into the church. Hill City Church, we have to take sin seriously. It's a really big deal. Jesus actually died for it. Christ follower in the room. Can you be encouraged this morning? Can you specifically be encouraged when you are despised for your faith in Jesus Christ? Can you specifically be encouraged this morning when you are, 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 are living right in the middle of this clash of kingdoms? You are a threat to another kingdom. You are a threat to the kingdom of darkness. And when you see or you experience this hostility, when you, when you experience the world hating you, what you have to do is you have to allow it to cause you to see even more the need to share the greatest news anyone will ever hear in their life. Share it. Be faithful. God is in charge of the fruit. Because this world hates Jesus, it only com- confirms that the world needs Jesus. So do not be discouraged. Give them Jesus. Christ follower, give them Jesus. To the non-Christian, listen, this church is growing. It's going to be bananas in the next gathering. This one keeps getting bigger. Every single Sunday there are multiple people sitting in these seats who do not know Jesus, who do not follow Jesus. Praise God that they're coming here. Amen? Now if that's you this morning... You don't have any idea how many people prayed for you already in the last 24 hours. It's incredible. But maybe you're hearing this scripture, and maybe, maybe you're like, I don't recognize myself in that scripture. Like, this, you have this powerful coward of a king in Herod, and that's what he was, a powerful, drunken, coward king. Or, or you have a cruel, murdering queen. Give me his head on a platter. You're like, I know that's not you. To the person here not following Jesus, I know that's not you. You are not those things. But while you are not those things, you are indeed numbered with Herod and a Herodias. If you've not submitted to Jesus, if Jesus is not your king... If you have not turned from your sins, if you have not turned from this uh, imaginary right that you've made up in your head that you get to rule your own life, if you've not accepted the free gift paid for by Jesus' blood, you are not in a neutral position before God. And I love you enough to tell you that. You have rejected God. Jesus is not your king, and you're actually standing guilty in need of forgiveness. Listen, this is not me trying to point anybody out. This is everyone in this room's story at some point. Nobody in here is saying, we're better than you. No, no, this, is, this was all of our stories, and the great thing is that today you can actually turn from, from your self-rule that actually leads to death, And you can give your life to Jesus, which will actually lead to life. 
And all you do is you come to King Jesus and you just freely, with empty hands of faith, receive him as your king. The gift that he offered. Listen, we're going to have people all over this place. There will be people down here all over ready to pray. If that's you, if like I, yes, I want to turn. I, I want to not try to rule my own life anymore. There is nothing we would want to do more today than just pray with you. And with you, confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus is king. How in the world is this possible? I never stop asking that question. If you're serving communion, I'm going to ask that you go get ready at your stations. Everyone else, I really need your attention as we're coming down the stretch. How is it possible That those of us who follow Jesus remain secure. That those of you who, are, who don't follow Jesus, that right now today, that you could pass from death to life. How is that possible? Let's go back to John, the baptizer, who had a ministry, if you remember, that prepared the way of Jesus. You guys remember that? Prepare the way for Jesus and specifically prepare the way for Jesus' ministry. Here today, here's what we see. John didn't stop with just preparing the way for Jesus' ministry. John prepared the way for Jesus' death. John's death foreshadows another death that isn't too far away. John was killed by a tyrant, and Jesus would be killed by a tyrant. John was killed by a reluctant leader who knew John was innocent. Jesus would too be killed by a leader who knew he was innocent. John's killer gives way to the fear of man. And he, and he cowers to the wishes of other people. And so too. Would Jesus be killed by a leader who just did what the people wanted? John died innocently. John died righteously. And so Jesus, our king, died innocently and he died righteously. But here is the difference and this makes all the difference in the world. John the Baptist was faithful, amen? Right? He was faithful, but he was a faithful witness, he faithfully witnessed, he, he faithfully prepared the way. Jesus, oh, he was faithful, but he was a faithful substitute. That's how this is possible. Jesus drank the cup of God's wrath, every drop. Listen, non-Christian, he did that for you. He did it for you because he loved you so much. Believer in the room, he did that for you. Don't ever forget it. He drank every drop of the cup of God's wrath through the Christ follow in the room. I have to remind you, I want you floating out of here. God looks at you with delight because of what Jesus did. Because of Jesus Christ, our king, we are completely forgiven. Because of Jesus Christ, our King, we are forever secure. He cannot love us more. He can't, and he will never love us less. 
That's really, really good news. And now we just get to bring people with us. Bow your heads. God, how can we not just bow before you with thankful hearts? God, thank you for examples like John the Baptist. If we can go to your word and see what faithfulness looks like, thank you. May we in this room be filled with such courage. God, more than that, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that we have life and we only have life because of him. God, we love you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.